Aren't you thankful that hundreds of years ago, people decided to cut ties from Britain and to establish a a nation of our own? A nation of freedom, as Dwight was mentioning just moments ago. Aren't you thankful that we do live in a country where we have freedom such as today to be able to assemble here without fear? Aren't you thankful for all of those who have and do continue to sacrifice so much for all of these wonderful freedoms that God has blessed us with? Peter has something to say in his letter to those of us who hold our freedom dear. Whether we live in a country that has a a dictatorship or a democracy. Peter would write in 1 Peter 2 verse 16, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Through the blood of Jesus We have been set free from sin and from death. And what a blessing that is. What an amazing thing that that is. We have been set free so that we can choose to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And as we live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that also means that we make every effort we can to be the best citizens that we can, and to get along with our government as best as we can. We have been called to be model citizens, even if we serve under leadership that is not so model. We have been called to be light in what is oftentimes seen as a very dark world. The first century Christians were living in a world that was very hostile, a society that was very hostile toward them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And as Peter wrote to them, he said, I want you to continue to live well, even in the face of the persecution that you're dealing with. If you'll continue to live well, if you'll continue to live godly lives, then other people, other people will actually come to the Lord because of the lives you're living. We saw this particular passage last week here in 1 Peter 2, beginning of verse 11. He said, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. From here... Peter is going to give some very practical advice in regards to the relationships in this life that we all have. Relationships with the government, relationship with our employers, relationship with our spouse. And he's going to address all three of these and say, listen, if you want to live a godly life, if you want to live a godly life when it comes to your government, if you want to live a godly life when it comes to your employer, if you want to live a godly life when it comes to your spouse... There's going to be an an overarching theme that applies to all three. You want to live a godly life in regards to those things you submit. Peter would write, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. 
be subject. That means to be in submission to. Is it easy to be in submission to someone? Anyone who may have authority over you? No. Well, it gets easy sometimes, right? When they're fair and they're kind and you like the way they do everything. (laughs) In those moments, it's easier to submit. But when other moments occur and the person who has authority over you, you don't like the way they're acting, you don't like their ideas, what happens? There's something that happens seemingly in all of us where something begins to like boil up from within us where we really want to rebel. (laughs) We really want to rebel against whoever has authority over us that we don't appreciate for whatever the reason And don't you know that those first readers that the letter Peter wrote read, man, don't you know that was a group of people who were just aching to rebel. I mean, that was a group of people who were saying, listen, if you'll say we need to have a revolution, we are ready to have a revolution. Because they were slaves and they were oppressed and they were being mistreated and they were being murdered all for their faith in Jesus. They're being oppressed by this government called Rome. So surely if Peter would have just said, okay guys, now's the time, man, they would have jumped. (laughs) But that's not what Peter said. Peter said, you be subject for the Lord's sake. You submit. Why? For the honor of God. That's why. Now, specifically, when we talk about the first century Christians who were underneath the thumb of Rome, this was during the course of the Pax Romana, which was a very long time of peace for Rome. And I I use that term peace kind of lightly. It was like enforced peace, right? Because Rome was such a powerful nation that if anyone tried to rise up against Rome, Rome would absolutely squash them and continue to maintain their peace. Continue to maintain and to spread their boundaries. And that time of peace, it lasted from about 27 B.C. to 180 A.D. So that's a long period of time that Rome is holding down a lot of people because the people are afraid of Rome. And today, today we're also afraid of consequences. And a lot of times those fear of consequences, to a certain degree, they keep us from rebelling. Whenever there's a position or a place of authority above us, sometimes it's that fear of consequences. It keeps us from doing or saying maybe what we may want to. Why? Because we don't want to get grounded, we don't want to get fired, and we don't want to go to jail. Okay, And so because we understand those things, that fear of consequences oftentimes keeps us from rebelling. But, while the fear of consequences is a good thing, it's a needed thing, it's not always enough, is it? You see, sometimes just the fear of consequences doesn't always completely lead us down this path of total obedience, complete submission to the will of God. Sometimes we need a motivation a little bit greater than just fear of consequences. Because when my motivation for submitting to, say, the government for today's sake, when it's only as great as my fear of my consequences, then I find it a lot easier to cut corners in certain areas of my life where I don't believe the consequences are going to be that bad. 
Or I don't think I'll ever get caught. Or if I do get caught, it's just going to be a slap on the wrist. It's not a big deal. That's why sometimes we treat traffic laws like they're they're just suggestions. <laughs> it's not really a law. It's just a suggestion. And if I do get caught, if I do get pulled over, I'll pay the ticket. And we just kind of go, it's, it's not a big deal. And so we probably all have one or two or more areas of our life where there's a private revolution going on inside of us. There's a private rebellion always boiling up in us because we don't want to be told what to do, whether it's in regards to traffic laws or our taxes or even pulling off that mattress tag that it says it's illegal to tear off. Even that. I mean, some of us, man, we will go to great extents to break the law just because it feels good. Because you can't tell me what I can or cannot do. And so again, sometimes just the fear of consequences, while it's a good thing, it's not always enough. So what else do we need? What else do we need for motivation to continue to honor God in a way that He would want when it comes to our government? He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. When we live under the authority of our government, if we're going to submit the way that we're supposed to submit, again, it's got to go further. It's got to go beyond just that fear of earthly consequences. What is it that motivates us to submit to the law of the land? What is it that motivates us to submit to our governing authorities? I want to do it for the sake of God. He wants me to. It's His will that I do these things. Therefore, I will. Government is by God's design. And ideally, government would be promoting that which is good and punishing that which is evil. No one ever gets to a position of authority within the government and God doesn't know. No one ever sneaks in to a position of authority without God's knowledge. We read in Daniel 2 verse 21 about God. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. So then why does God allow certain individuals to to reach these places of authority, these places of political power that may not make sense to us in the moment? I don't guess I always know the answer to that. But what I do know is this. No matter who is in those positions, God is still in control. God is over elections. God is over kingdoms. God is over emperors. God is and will forever be in charge and in control. Whether or not I'm okay with submitting to the fact that He knows so much better than I, I guess is up to us as individuals to decide. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who 
take places of power that don't use them in a way that would please God. Because they don't use them in a way to, again, promote good and punish that which is evil. Listen, if we had time, man, we could talk all day about things that were happening in first century Rome that were completely contrary to the will of God. We could talk about things happening in America today that are completely contrary to the will of God. Man, we could talk about things, oh man, we could talk about things that go, it's not just that they don't not promote good and punish evil. It's that they've reached a point where they are promoting evil and punishing good. Like, that's where we are. That's where the first century church was in Rome. So how do we respond to it? Church, the failure of government and the failure of government leaders never gives us the right to disobey God. It never gives us the right to not abide first and foremost by the will of God as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Whether here in America or in any other country around this beautiful globe of ours, when we choose to live under the authority of our government, we are choosing to obey God. When we choose to go against the government, we are choosing to go against the will of God. Listen to what Romans 13 says, beginning in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Verse 5 says, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Peter, and now Paul, They're saying that we need to submit to the government. Does that mean that that we need to stand by and just stand idly by, turn a blind eye to every evil thing, every bad thing that the government or those in places of power do or say? Is that what this means? No. Let's go back to our text. Verse 17 says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. There's that next sentence, fear God. There's our priority. Fear God. You see, if you're someone who really fears God, then you're someone who is not going to participate in or condone any behavior that is a part of this world that is contrary to the will of God. Why? Because it violates His will. Because you honor God with your life first and foremost, you're going to make sure His will is done. Throughout Scripture, we see examples of people saying no to government so they can say yes to God. You remember Daniel? I know you remember the story of Daniel. You remember how with Daniel that a law had been made purposefully to trap him. That was the whole point of the law, to trap Daniel. And the law was made that said, you cannot pray to anyone or anything for the next 30 days except for the king. And you know what Daniel did? Poor Daniel, he didn't pray for 30 days, did he? No, the Bible tells us that when Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. Notice his windows are open. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. The government said, you cannot pray. For the next 30 days, Daniel said, I'm sorry, I'm still going to pray. Windows open, facing Jerusalem, 
the way I always have. That's not going to stop. Or what about Peter and John? You remember how the Sanhedrin pulled them in? And the Sanhedrin were really getting in their face and they were really threatening them. And they were saying, you have got to stop teaching and preaching about Jesus. Did they say, whew, well, you know what? We don't want to go to jail and uh, we don't want to die. <laughs> so, okay, if that's, if that's what this will take for us to just be at peace, then, then we'll stop preaching and teaching. No! Why? Because King Jesus... King Jesus had said, you go into this world and you spread the gospel. And that's exactly what they were doing. Acts 4 says, beginning of verse 18, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. As followers of Jesus Christ, it is our duty to make sure that the will of God always takes precedent in our life. That means sometimes, sometimes there may be a place for civil disobedience. There may be a place for protest. But these things must be done and carried out in a way that is in the confines of our, our governmental structure. It's okay to take to the streets if there's something that the government is doing or saying, an action or inaction that you don't like, that you want to protest against. It is never okay, never okay to encourage someone or to be a part of someone destroying property, trespassing, using our words in a way that's threatening or or hateful, being violent against someone. Why? Why are those things wrong? It's not because of the government. It's because all those things go against the will of God. All of those actions go against His will first. So yes, there there is a time and a place for protest. And that can be carried out in a good way, in a right way. But just because you and I may not like a decision the government has made, that doesn't mean it gives us a right not to do it. I don't like it when my taxes get raised. But it doesn't mean I stop paying my taxes. I still pay my taxes, as do you. Why? It's not because I'm afraid of the consequences of this earth. I pay my taxes to honor God because that's what He wants me to do. Because paying taxes does not go against His will. The only time that we should be outright disobedient toward the will of our government is when the will of our government is trying to force us to do something that is contrary to the will of God. But even then, church, our actions, our actions must still reflect the nature of God even when we object. So we have to make sure that even when we say, hey, this isn't right, we have to make sure that we're doing that in a way That's still pleasing in the eyes of God. So submission demands obedience. Very important thing to remember. But submission also requires showing honor. Showing honor to those who hold places of authority. You live, as do I, in an amazing country. You and I, we sang about the blessings of this country just a moment ago. 
if you and I want to say we are a part of this nation, then a part of this nation is the government system that is before us. And when a person is elected to the highest office in the land, whether we want to say that's my president or not, he or she becomes our president. You may not have voted for them. You may not have supported them. You may not like what they stand for. But it doesn't mean that they're not your president. There may be some who feel this way about President Biden. There may be some here who felt this way about President Trump. There may be some that feel this way about the next president, whoever that may be. But we must always honor. Honor. And why do I say that? Well, whenever you find yourself getting a little frustrated about whoever holds the highest office of our great country, and and you find yourself frustrated and you're wanting to say hateful things, I want you to remember who the emperor was when Peter was riding. I want you to remember Nero. I want you to remember what a a murderous, evil tyrant that he was and, and how he would absolutely wipe people out just in support of his own personal lifestyle. I want you to think about how evil that man was. And I want you to remember that as Peter wrote, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, honor the emperor. I guess my only question for us is why would we think God would expect any less from us? That we too would show honor. Now does that mean does that mean we can't be critical? Does that mean we can't be critical about individuals' character? Does that mean we can't be critical about government policies? No, I think we can still be critical about those things. I think we can still point out what's wrong and why it's wrong. But I also, again, think that we have to make sure that we show respect. And I think we have to make sure that our words are not just flowing from our mouth to tear down, but rather to build up. And that our words are not hateful and vengeful and spiteful and demeaning, but our words are respectful. Our words are, well, they are as God would want them to be. What better way? What better way to show honor to those in authority than by consistently praying for them? 1 Timothy 2 said, beginning of verse 1, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Are we doing that? Are we praying for those who are in positions of leadership? Are we praying for them? Do we spend more time criticizing those in positions of leadership than we do praying for them? If we do, there's a really good chance we don't understand what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. We should be a prayerful people. We should be a people who are on our knees. We really want the country to change. Change is not going to come through social media. 
Change is going to come through us being on our knees and praying. Praying not that a certain party will take over. Praying that the will of God will be done. Because if we truly are praying that the will of God will be done, then there's no telling what, what wonderful things can happen. There's no telling what we'll see. But we have to have faith to pray that His will will truly be done. I, um, okay, so I, I really went back and forth as in preparation for this as to whether or not to share this quick illustration with you, but I think I will. So, two years ago, just before our national elections, we had a special prayer service to pray for that election, to pray for whoever would win, for pray that God's will would be done. We announced it. It was here on a Sunday night. There were less than 20 of us that showed up. And then when the election didn't go the way some of us wanted, oh, the world was falling. (laughs) But you weren't here to pray. Do you really understand what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God? What means more to you? A citizen of the United States of America, which is an amazing blessing, or being a citizen of the kingdom of God? Which one is going to get you into heaven? It's not being a citizen of this great nation. It's being a citizen of the kingdom of God. That is what will get you eternal life. That is where your faith must be. If you put your faith in the nation, guess what? You're going to be disappointed over and over and over again. Why? Even because the best of leaders aren't perfect. There's only one that is. His name is Jesus. He's the reason we come here every Lord's Day. He's who we live for. He's who we look for spending eternity to. He is who we're supposed to be telling the world about. It's about Jesus. And while we know that to be the right answers, we don't always live that way. Because in our heart of hearts, we don't really believe it. Because we put a lot more faith in a donkey or an elephant than we do in the lamb. And that's on us. Shame on us. Knowing that God's will is for us to submit to the government should be enough motivation for us to do it. It gives us a little more insight He says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. There have always been, and there will always be, foolish people in this world around us who try to tell other people that the Lord and His church, that they're the bad guys. That they're the ones who are doing harm to society. So what is it Peter says? You continue doing good. You continue doing that which is right. Continue doing good so that you can put to silence those those ignorant, ignorant people of this world. That's why we should take advantage of opportunities to serve. It's why we should take advantage to, to partner up at times, even with community leaders, so that we can try to make even a small impact, a small difference for the kingdom of God in this wonderful community of ours. It's like President Kennedy said, So long ago, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And what that means for many of us 
is we need to get off our, off our pew and finally begin to serve. We need to get off the couch and finally begin to serve. We need to look for opportunities to do good for others as opposed to looking for opportunities to be served by others. You want to make a difference in this world for the cause of Christ. You want to change the trajectory of the way you think things are headed. Then be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Be someone who is actively trying to do good in this dark world. And you'll make a difference. As misfits, as misfits, we have been called to continue to be the citizens that God wants us to be always. Whether we live in a democracy or under a dictatorship. Either way, we've been called to be a people of peace, a people of prayer, a people of faith, a people of good works. A people whose life makes a difference quietly, godly, in the lives of other people. That's who we've been called to be. A people, a people who are willing to submit. A people who understand that the ultimate authority is God and we want to submit to Him. And that if we're really going to submit to Him, then that means we submit in area, every area of life. We try to fight it, don't we? We want to rebel. We have that rebellious heart in certain areas of our life. No. We need to let that go. We need to submit to the will of God. Be the people He's called us to be. Maybe... I don't know, maybe this morning, maybe you're not living a life in complete surrender to God. Or maybe there's some other need that you have that you'd like for us to be prayerful of, something that we can help you with. We'll be glad to help you in any way we can. If you come, it's always stand and sing.